Welcome to Red Maryland Radio, the Red Maryland Network's flagship show. Here are your hosts, Brian Griffiths and Greg Klein. We, we were trying to play a video. So let's try this again. Let's try this again. Well, Brian, why don't you open it up? Sorry about well, that. <laughs> I, love I love technology. technology. Yes, I love technology. Yes, yes, we'll be I right do. with you. Brian, you anyway, were you, you were watching and listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Coming to you from the heart of the downtown business district of Severna Park. That's right. Somewhere near the historic... Semi-historic banks the of the Magothy River on the bucolic western shore of Maryland. I am your host, Brian Grimace. He is Greg Klein. And it's still not working. Look at that. Oh, there it is. No. No, that was me talking. Ha, ha, ha. That's fun. Whee! That was the governor. That That's... was going to be the governor's remarks. The, yeah, the governor's his speech victory last speech night, from last night. Which, if you missed it, good stuff. Yeah. That's weird. Love to know why that's not working, but... Yeah, you know, I would what, too. Whatever, hey. right? Hey. Well, we'll just have to tell you. He won. He was he really won. happy. Yeah. Something about a surfboard. It was great. Yeah. Said he rode the rode the surfboard on the blue wave. By the way, two things. If you listened to last night's broadcast live, we did have God some band, We did have some bandwidth issues. There is a podcast of that with crystal clear audio. Uh, just go to uh, redbarreland.com. Click on the link. Blogtalkradio.com slash redmaryland. If you subscribe, you're... you're podcast feed it will come up so you definitely want to check that out as well definitely definitely and um last night was a mixed Had a lot bag. Of good stuff so you want to check that out. last night was a mixed bag well we wanted to lead off with the the high point which was the governor winning and, which is going uh, through our speakers like it's going through our headphones we can hear it you it doesn't appear that it's not so much recording it, which is which is really odd and doesn't make any sense oh yeah. i bet i know why no it's, uh, it's hooked up I don't know why. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. Yep, it still doesn't work. Can you hear that? It looks like nothing's recording from it. No. The worst part is, the ridiculous part would be if this was going out over over Facebook. Jerry, can you hear that? No. No. Okay. <sighs> Only the second Republican governor elected to a second to term. To a second term. Theodore McKeldin. Theodore McKeldin. So here's what we're, the plan is tonight. We're going to talk to the Teddy M. The talk, the t- nobody talks about Teddy M. <laughs> okay. Right. That's, that's never happened. Well, the governor, first, let's start off. Let's start off. So let's, let's, be, let's just set, set up the, the show a little bit. So we'll talk about the governor's race. We'll set talk about kind of some of the statewide stuff. Then we'll start, the show will quickly go downhill from there and we'll start talking the results about, of the show will be great the show will be fantastic yeah the show is the a content, plus a plus dynamite um what the subject matter if you're a fan of republicanism or conservatism in maryland the news gets worse yes it starts good and then it just it starts kinda, great starts historic so it's unprecedented everything we could have imagined came true at the governor's level at 
at the governor's yes, level. Yes, at that true. level. Yes. Everything else like that was a was a stink bomb. Uh, quite frankly, I think that's overstating a little bit. It was it was it was rough. Just let's start. Get so started. so we'll start with that. We'll talk about the, the legislative races. We'll talk about the uh, we'll talk about some of the countywide races, including yes. just, like a total wipeout here in Anne Arundel County. Almost, uh, you know, it was, it was a bad time and it was a bad time. Talk a little about the future, which includes, by the way, Greg, of course, late breaking news this afternoon about the congressional districts being congressional districts being thrown out. Hey, which, of course, is not at all a coincidence that that dropped the day after the election. The day after the election. Yeah. That might have been useful a year ago or a minute ago or two days ago or New districts before would have been good <laughs> oh well oh well but this is gonna be fun so we're so uh, we'll talk about that because that's exciting for the future for the present and the future but let's talk about the now uh governor hogan everybody yes. knew governor hogan was going to win i think so i think, think, so. I think so. To say. some were trying to you know i think ben jealous was was playing out the string as we said before right and ultimately, he wound uh, Governor Hogan wound up with a a thirteen point win as yeah. of the last time we checked. Yeah. He got fifty six percent of the vote, which is a little higher, a little higher than we had the thought the ceiling than we thought the ceiling was. that we thought it was. Pretty amazing, pretty um, amazing. Yeah, it, it was just incredible. It was, you know, we, Greg and I were we, you know, we broadcast. We did a show four years ago from the Victory Party, the same That's hotel, right. That's right. same kind of general area. And totally different. The vibe. governor did not give his victory speech until well after midnight. Well, we were late waiting for results. He gave it late last night because there was late voting in Prince George's County because they ran out of ballots. Yeah, hell of a job, everybody. Which is, you know, come on, man. What are you doing? Uh, that, especially, I don't think that ended up affecting after, anything of import. It might have affected some of the school board races. I know there was some, okay. some turnover right, well, there, but okay. So the governor wasn't going to say anything. The Jealous campaign wasn't going to say anything. And by the way, Jealous gave a really, really long concession speech, which is dumb. I listened to part of it. I was listening to WBA. It was funny because I was watching it on TV and they cut away, did a bunch of other stuff and then cut back to it. I'm like, he's still going. You lost, dude. Yeah. You can't give a half hour concession speech when you lose. The governor's like nine minutes in and out, you know. (laughs) Uh, everybody, everybody here is great. Y'all did a great job. It was a bad year. I got a purple surfboard. Go I'll team, go. Let's, Let's go, go govern. You know. Yeah. Let's get back to work. That's uh, how you do it. That's how yeah. I, I, the, the most amusing part of the Jealous concession speech, quite frankly, was I and I didn't hear all of his speech. Obviously, was was Susie Turnbull, his running mate, right? Implying that a Jealous 2022 campaign would be forthcoming. Oh, please, th- please, please! I will sign up for that right now. <laughs> I was let do it. Do you know, it's funny. It. It's funny because we went back on Twitter and there's a lot of the a lot of the, the people with roses, a lot of the, uh, y- you know, a lot of the Democratic socialist types. Right. They would always get in our, our stuff, you know, and remember, it's like, oh, well, clearly Red Maryland is scared of Ben Jealous. They don't want to run against Ben Jealous. No, I, like, we're like, no, please. please nominate this man. It was and man this, from heaven. This yeah. is why we said, please nominate this man. Ben Jealous. And look, I and. You know, we're not going to bury Ben Jealous all night here because we've been doing it for months. Ben well, I Jealous, think it would take something away from the governor. The governor yeah, deserves a Ben Jealous ran the worst campaign in the history of the state. It's hard to imagine how it could be worse. We had we had a friend of ours on on uh, online today say, "Well, do you think it's worse? Do you really? I'm surprised you think he's worse than Kathleen Kennedy Townsend." I'm like, "Well, he's much worse by any objective criteria. He right. raised less money." He couldn't unite the party in any way. He didn't have any sort of establishment support. To tell you how bad... Kathleen Kennedy Townsend... Had all of those things. She had all this. She was uninspiring as a candidate. 
And we were coming out of eight years of Paris Glendening, and there was a lot of fatigue with that, and the state was in tough uh, fiscal rest, uh, shape. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being a pretty good Republican year, and we had a good candidate who ran really hard and, and, and ultimately won, fulfilled that hope of 1994 where Ellen Sauerbrey came very close. Some say it was stolen from her. Um, but she was a much better candidate by any objective criteria. Yes. You know, early uh, the final result, if nothing else, I mean, yeah, she, didn't that was lose, only a four she didn't lose as big point. a percentage of the Democratic vote. She didn't. I mean, if she'd had the kind of turnout that Ben Jealous had, she probably would have won in 2002. Don't you think? Probably. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly. Yeah. So, and, and that's, you know, and, and look. Not even close. Not even close. And look, and you and I talked about this off air, and I think it's a very important thing to say. None of the Democratic candidates were that good, okay? Because obviously none of them well, they lost past to past Ben so, Jealous. Right. But if you have a different candidate running in the general election, this night might not have been <laughs> quite as happy as, well, let's, as it turned out to be. First off, let me say some things, and we'll, let's keep put a pin in that because we'll come back to that when we start going down ballot. I think that becomes very obvious, very evident. But let me let me say a, a few words about what Governor Hogan has accomplished because I think it's appropriate to do that. Okay, okay. First Republican elected in, for the second term since the 1950s, he won by 15 points in a in a Democratic year. That's something we'll, that'll be a theme on tonight's show. It was clearly a Democratic year. That's amazing that he accomplished that. Okay, he managed to keep Republicans, and he expanded the he expanded the pie, the electoral, um, the electoral pie for Republicans in this state. He to to be able to win, he got one point two million votes, more votes than any candidate than anybody who's ever run ever. for governor before. Okay, yeah. Ben Jealous said he would get a million votes out. He came pretty. He got nine hundred thousand. And he still lost. And if he'd gotten that million votes, he still would have lost. Mm. That's the testament to Governor Hogan and his campaign. It's and, and I don't want to hear anybody say he only won because he had a bad opponent. He had a bad opponent, no question about it. Yeah. But he won because he ran a brilliant campaign because people liked the job that he was doing and he had the resources. What did what did he end up having at the end of thirty seven million thirty seven million dollars to drive that point home? That that the Republican uh, fiscal conservative way of governance, cutting taxes instead of raising them, funding priorities, keeping spending under wraps, doing what what state government is supposed to do and do it as well as we can. That style of governance is very popular, even in the progressive blue state of Maryland. That works. Seeking bipartisan compromise with the legislature that's openly hostile to you. People like I think a lot of Democrats see the excesses in their own party, and Ben Jealous certainly reminds them of that very easily. And I think the governor staked out the middle of the the Maryland electorate and had a center-right coalition that won, the way you're supposed to win elections. He proved that what people, a lot of people in our own party say can't be done, can be done if you're willing to be smart and earnest. And don't underestimate the fact that he's a that he's a decent guy, that he's an authentic guy, that he's an honest guy. People like him because yes. they see those things, even if they disagree with him on policy. He inspires the people who are around him. He's impressive if you ever have a five second conversation with the guy. And you know that's how you that's how you're successful. There's a lot with Larry Hogan on a on an ideological basis we might disagree with. And I'm sure over the next four years that'll come up as well as it did over the last four years. Right. But he is a model, not, not just ideologically. Don't get hung up on that. 
he is a model for how Republican candidates can win in a wide variety of circumstances and govern states that are clearly, from last night's result, not very receptive to Republicanism and particularly the the modern strain of national Republicanism yes. defined by our president. And this is this is uh, this is momentous. What he has done cannot be overstated as a political achievement. Not no in our state. It is a historical accomplishment. I mean, if you go back to the start of Red Maryland, you know, where we had won one governor's race in yeah. forty years, and we at and, that point. and Governor Ehrlich couldn't get reelected. Tried again. He got he got beat pretty bad. Let's be honest. You got in two thousand six, and two thousand six. Yeah, he got beat worse in two thousand ten. I know. <laughs> I, I was there. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, he ran in two thousand ten against a guy who had the largest tax increase in American his, in Maryland history, and who managed to still make Ehrlich look like the one who raised taxes. Right. I mean, that was a bad campaign. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Republicans can run bad campaigns too. So just how far we've come from in ten years from. Yeah, you know, certain people saying we'd never elect a Republican governor again in our I lifetime, know. to a two-term Republican governor who won by who, fifteen points, who won by fifteen points, and had more votes than any candidate for governor in the history of the state. Who got one a Republican who got one point two million votes in a statewide election. Yeah, that's never happened. You may never see that happen again in your lifetime, and in a year where, and we'll be switching to this, I guess, pretty soon here. Republicans down ballot. Didn't do very well. It was a Democratic year, and the and that's the crazy thing. Think about this: if when you when you look at all the circumstances, how much money the governor had, how popular the right. governor was, right? How um, how poor of a candidate that Ben Jealous was, right? If this was a turnout model that was closer to 2014, the governor would have won by 25 points. We would have had the super happy ending. Yeah, he would have won. Yeah, he would have won that 20 point. Election and I and I think by the way the variability in the polls that's what you were seeing in the polls. The, I always thought the twenty point for Dr. No, Cromer, that was that was always who will say well guy. they're just snapshots in time. Maybe things change in the last couple of weeks. That's easy to say. I think that was always an outlier. Um, what was the final twelve points? Thirteen. Thirteen points. So that fifteen point range was about right. That's what it ended up being. Um, twenty was a bit of an outlier. It it ended up being. Somewhere between 2014 and 2010, which is what we were seeing in some of the early voting models, if you were looking at it objectively, what we were seeing on Election Day, which is which was good for Democrats. Let's be honest. Democrats turned out their vote, particularly in early voting and particularly in certain localities. They did a really, really good job of doing that. They were able to organize and get motivated. A lot of that was being able to tap into the anger that folks on that side have towards the president. Um, The governor was able to overcome that. Because he convinced Democratic voters that uh, he was somebody they could support because they liked the program that he was doing, because they, they liked the way that he was governing the state. So he was able to defy gravity in that regard uh, and kind of make his own brand. And I and and so, OK, so that's why he did what he did is amazing. Now, did he have the coattails that we expected no. that we hoped for? No, nobody really knew. Uh, the answer is absolutely not. No, let's talk. Let's, <laughs> the answer is absolutely not. So that's a that's a great segue. Let's let's talk a little bit about the other statewide stuff for a second. Yes, there, I mean there were really no surprises. I think I think the biggest no. surprise was Craig Wolf getting only thirty six percent of the vote. That was pretty disappointing. 
Um, tough Democratic but again, year. Tough Democratic year. I mean, Craig has nothing tough, nothing to be ashamed yeah. of. He ran a hell of a campaign. Uh, you know, and, and, no, he did a great and, job. But, he did a great job. You know, he didn't. Frosch still had ten times the money, maybe five times the money. I think probably by the end of it. Yeah, I don't know that, how close it, but it was Wolf neither had. one of them had had as much name ID as the gubernatorial candidate. Right, had. and that ultimately and is Frosch what benefited I, from that. Wolf was hurt by that, and that ultimately up and down the ballot is what yeah. you saw is that when yeah. people didn't know what happened, is that everything broke. When you had right, when you had more and more voters who the only information they had was party ID, you saw party line voting. Right. U.S. Senate race: Ben Cardin got in the '60s, which isn't a terrible surprise to anybody. Tony Campbell, it's it's it's, Tony Campbell ran a ran a respectable thirty-one percent, which you know, given the circumstances that he faced this year, you know, didn't have a lot of money, worked hard, didn't always have the Republican, you know, all the Republicans behind him. You know that was he a pretty... did, and, for, and and you know some some had issues with him. Uh, didn't seem to get a lot of respect from from very many people at times. Right. Um, didn't raise an enormous amount of money, and I and I think there's some fair criticism in that regard. Um, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, given I mean, given the circumstances, yeah, I, given the year. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the kind of guy you him and Craig Wolf are the guys you kind of feel. For they go out, they work their butts off. They're great candidates, particularly Craig Wolf. I think was was doing a little better than Tony did, but and they and they just get clobbered. Yeah. And you know, if they had just put a name on the ballot, would they have done that much worse? Well, I mean, you look at the comptroller race; maybe they would have done a little bit worse. We'll but, talk about that in a second. But um, it's rough. It's got to be rough for them. And I and I and I hope they you know don't go away and come back. I don't think Tony will. I hope I don't know what Craig will do, but I hope he sticks around. Yeah. Um, the biggest nothing burger. But go ahead. I'm sorry, but it's a stark reminder of how tough it is for Republicans to win statewide. You know that two to one registration thing's a real thing. It really yes. does matter. If Democrats do get motivated and turn out, it's impossible for Republicans to win. What the governor was able to do is very very hard to do and is exceptional. It shows how yeah. exceptional it is. I think ultimately, hey, hey, good for you, Craig, Craig Wolf. Yeah, good for you. I hope you're not going anywhere. Yeah, we want you to stick around, man. You're you're an awesome. Think candidate. about getting a podcast. <laughs> we could. We, yes. let's talk. We can we can make that happen. I do want to say the the biggest nothing burger around was Neil Simon. What yeah. a waste of three million dollars. Is that how much he ended up spending? Yeah, three million dollars. I'd rather he just had a pay per view and just threw it into a pile <laughs> and just and lit it, it on, on fire. fire. Yeah. Because it would have it would have one, it would have been people would have remembered it. <laughs> it would have been good more. for name ID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those vanity campaigns and they're not exclusive to Maryland, but no, we seem to but, specialize with them in, in Maryland. Yeah, here's he got the, nothing for that. Here's he spent the all that, that money. I mean a lot of people made money off of him. But uh Here's the thing that pissed me off, I think, the most about it is the yeah. fact that you know, they're, they have these polling models, which kind of help dictate who gets into, like, televised debates. Yeah. I want to know what model showed Neil Simon competitive uh, they, and got him. Because right. the, the, the polling threshold model, I think it's supposed to be 10%. You're supposed yeah. to be showing 10%. And he didn't come anywhere in the ballpark of, of 10%. He was, I, I, they may have had different rules for that. Um, it was interesting that Cardin was willing to debate, and I think they had a couple televised debates. They had one televised debate. One televised yeah. debate, which, I mean, hey, at least he was willing to have a televised debate. That's more than Craig Wolf was able to get. I mean, yeah. so, you know, um, 
but, but they probably tinkered with the rules and maybe that was a condition and that he uh and that they uh But the thing is it, it screws it, it screwed Tony Campbell because, you know It didn't help. It, it didn't you help. You know, because you got Neil Simon over here talking about how he wants to be a US senator but never really explains why. You know, Tony's right. trying to you know, Tony's trying to talk about the issues that are important to him. And look, yeah, some of to- the issues Tony was talking about was a little off of what you of what you would think the normal Republican message would be, but that would be a much greater contrast between in a one on one debate than it would be right. when you've got this other jabron, you know, over here. But yeah. I mean, Neil Simon I, I can, should just go away. I'm sorry, and I mean, he probably will. Just, I mean, where's Rob Sabonic? Nobody I mean, will hear you know. from him again. Um, just be one of those, the comptroller's one of those race, the big question we had last week. I mean, if you could, one thing ahead. about Maryland, if you're going to spend money and buy a congressional seat, you need House of Representatives. That's what you need to do. And also, you got to spend a lot more than $3 million, apparently. That's that's the opening ante, yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, last week, I had asked the question, will Peter Francho break 70%? Um, yes. Did you ask that? I did. The answer is yes, the he did. The password is yes. Um, he got to 71% of the vote. Yeah. Well, look, Angie, we, we've interviewed her. She's a nice lady, kind of, you know, kind of out there on a lot of stuff. She's different. That was that one. If you if you really wanted. Well, though, though, a lot of Republicans voted for Peter Francho. And we heard that from a lot of Republicans that they like Peter Francho and he worked with Governor Hogan. So they were going to support him. It, it's it's funny. Some of those same people will probably say the governor's not conservative enough, yet they voted for Peter Francho, who is a Tacoma I, Park liberal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, that's one of those things that kind of irks me. Um, and Peter French show, by the way, you may you and, and this this is here's a here's a prediction. You may see Peter French show be a little more Tacoma Park liberal during oh, yeah. this term yeah. since he's got the free shot. Basically, he would be you have to assume that he would be the front runner in four years, for the Democrats to run for governor. I don't, I don't know what his plans are. It's I not, mean, that's it's not often, a coincidence. That's it's often not, mentioned. It's not a coincidence when you win by 45 points, but you're running TV commercials seemingly nonstop in the days leading up to the election. I think his I think what his I think one of his strengths of his brand is that he's worked with Governor Hogan and that he is um, and that he has uh, he's been kind of anti-establishment in the Republican in the with the Democrats and their particular issues where that's happened. Mm-hmm. I think he's had some bad enough bad blood with Mike Miller and those guys that I don't I think he's going to keep doing a lot of the same thing he's doing at the BPW, especially if they put Mike Bush on there, which is the tin foil hat conspiracy. Um, so I don't think that'll change. But he's never been a fan of tax cuts. And if the governor really pushes on tax cuts, he's not going to be in favor of that. And um, yeah, I think he likes being comptroller too. That's what the comment we got. No, I think I, he does I, too. Who who can blame him? I mean, I mean it's, a, it's it know, is it, it is it's a certainly very there's luc- certainly a precedent for people being comptroller for life in this state. So yeah, I mean it's a very lucrative and influential sinecure. So envy. Um, <laughs> you know how to do it right. God bless y'all, real good. <laughs> you know, you can practically get a county named after you. Let's <laughs> let's talk about the congressional races. Okay. No surprises there. Everybody. Not I, really. I have, Not really. I have to laugh only because the Democrats made such a such a production out of flip the first about with this just Jesse Colvin thing, and he got well. We saw a lot of that because we saw a lot. You know, we fought. We, we, a lot of that comes up in the Maryland politics feed. Um, so we saw a lot of that. They were trying. It's it it is funny to hear them complain about how gerrymandered the. Oh, that was is. that was like, hilarious. well, you drew the yeah. lines, dude. We'll we'll yeah. we'll change it for you. Believe me. Yeah, we'll take uh, care of that. That's fine. Yeah, we, our idea was to put a district from Ocean City to uh, Carroll County because well, it's know, part of Frederick County into Frederick County because you know 
because we want as many Republicans in one district. Believe me, that was absolutely not our idea. <laughs> um, but uh, it didn't end up being close, which is good. Yeah, which it wasn't going to be. I mean, that's just. I mean, it is gerrymandered. I mean, it is designed to make it nine near impossible. Now, the sixth district was the open one. Yeah, and that was a victim again of of the circumstances of yeah. the election because Ami Hober ran a much better race this time. She ran a much more disciplined race than she did two years ago. Let's be honest. Pretty early on in the primary, people dropped out. She had the field basically opened up for her. I think she had pretty unified support across the board. Um, she went. Yeah, out it was there. not like 2016 where she, you know, yeah. she. You know, faced a number of competitors and it just was a tougher year. It was a tougher year. Yeah. And she ultimately wound up like actually wound up with a little lower percentage than she did in 2016. And I don't think that's her fault. I mean, it was, you know, the interesting thing you we had talked with some people last night. Right. Kind of the interesting thing about the David Trone ad that dropped over the weekend, which was just a nuclear fireball of just negativity. And I thought to myself, well, that was interesting. Why is Trone, you know, going this negative? Um you know why? You know why is this? Why is he going this negative in a race? If the race isn't that close, according to their polling, and it just did not wind up being that close. Well, I think you leave everything in the chamber. I mean, or you, or you leave nothing in the chamber. You fire your last, last bullet. I, I, ironically, as we'll get to later in the show, we're going to redraw all that district for two yeah. years from now. Sixteen million dollars, <laughs> well spent. Just, um, <laughs> but again, a lot of it was driven by turnout in Montgomery County, heavily Democratic. Big Democratic year. Montgomery County, super Democratic. Didn't end up being close. Nope. Party line stuff. The governor got 40% there, which was a surprise. Yeah. But again, the Democrats, complete wipeout. Kind of what I predicted, even worse than yeah. I predicted. Uh, none of none of the Republicans got anywhere close to winning anything. No. And obviously that spilled into that to that district, and, and there wasn't anything to make up for it anywhere else. So there you go. Greg, why don't we take a break? And then when we come Why don't we back, take a break? We oh, will... and we got some new ads you're going to want to listen to. Yeah, we have new ads. And uh, we take a break. We'll talk about some state legislative stuff and county stuff when we come back. Stick with us. You're listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Hi there. This is John Pernay from Ion Annapolis, otherwise known as PurpleMaryland.com. You know, I try to remain politically Swiss. Brian and Greg from Red Maryland have put together a fantastic conference that you can't miss. January 26th in Annapolis at the Doubletree Hotel. It is the inaugural Red Maryland Leadership Conference. Join conservatives from across the state to discuss the future of conservatism in Maryland and to develop principled, strong conservative leaders for our future. This affordable single-day event will bring speakers from across the state and nation to talk politics, ideas, and how to build a conservative majority in Maryland. To make sure you get in on this, please visit redmarylandconference.com today to secure your seat. That's redmarylandconference.com. Sponsorship opportunities are available. You can help Red Maryland grow our reach when you visit redmaryland.com and click on the Amazon link and shop as normal. A portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow. Additionally, you can buy Red Maryland t-shirts, drinkware, and other gear from our Zazzle store at zazzle.com slash redmaryland. We want to hear from you. Email us at any time at redmaryland at gmail.com. You can also leave audio feedback on a Red Maryland talkback line at 410-205-4875. 
we might use your feedback on our programming. You are listening to Maryland's most trusted conservative voice, the Red Maryland Network. Be sure to follow Red Maryland on all of the major social networking sites. You can follow us at Red Maryland on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Snapchat, and Tumblr to get the latest from Red Maryland. And be sure to follow the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Celebrating five years as Maryland's only network that matters. You're listening to the Red Maryland Network. Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Ich heiße Brian und Greg. Yeah. Guten Tag. <laughs> Guten Nacht. Guten Nacht. Yes, that's what you're looking Good for. Guten Nacht. <laughs> well, Greg, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the legislative races at Maryland General Assembly. Let's talk let's about, about the drive for five. The drive for five. It didn't didn't quite work out uh i didn't i thought we were going to come up short i thought we i think we ended up right now it looks like it's a plus one in the state it's Senate. a net plus one we won uh, two of the, one, yes. we won two of the drive for five seats correct we lost a seat that was not part of the drive for five gail bates lost yeah which is interesting which we had kind of heard beforehand it we was, had heard about that last week we had talked about him eh, maybe gail bates shouldn't be messing around with this uh with this courthouse issue kind I don't of know pick that your that, eye off the ball kind of deal I, I don't know that that had any effect but uh certainly whatever it was Howard County which was you know I think in 2014 we got spoiled 2014 was a big Republican year you had guys like Alan Kittleman win in a tough place for Republicans to win he's a great candidate I think he did a great job as county executive but it's tough it's tough sledding and in a Democratic year um it's tough and he he came up short I thought he might uh, and Gail Bates got caught up in that as well, even though I know that district has a lot of Carroll County in it. As yeah, well. I mean, and if you remember back in the primary, you know, you talk about surprises that that was that was a surprise. A few more in the House we'll talk about in a second. So, you know, I, I think two out of the five that they were targeting, I think that's the governor really helped those help win those races. I think the 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 Mele Klausmeyer race making that competitive. Yeah. Um, the governor had an impact on that. And Rundle didn't turn out so great. Just You know, Craig Giangrande, I thought, ran a great campaign. I think he's a great guy. I wish he had beat Ron Young. That's a tough district. I mean, that's a really tough place to to win. Um, Bill Dotson ended up being a stretch. Yeah, I, you it know, was. We thought we might get something there. It turned out Not that so that was a stretch. Not but, so much. But, hey, you know, um, Mary Beth Carosa won, which is probably... Yes, won easily. That's the funny thing, I think, is the fact that that was kind of the one everybody was the most nervous about. Well, that's the one we were hearing on... was really close. Yeah. And uh, it didn't... You know what? And I, and I think this is, this is one where you had... This, and this is interesting, and I think this is the dynamic as we get closer to our leadership conference and we have some experts coming in and break it down. 
You know, there are different kinds of Democrats that voted for the governor. Uh, the governor was able to persuade kind of independent, maybe even more liberal Democrats to vote for him. And he was certainly able to get conservative, moderate Democrats to vote for him. The conservative Democrats um, were going to vote down ballot, especially on those races where there was a pretty high profile. People like Mary Beth Carroza. Right. Um, and I think that that showed itself in those kinds of races in the more moderate, independent places. Not so much. I mean, you know, Joe Hoey didn't end up benefiting that much from it or folks in Frederick City didn't end up, um, you know, uh, tossing, you know, voting for the governor and then voting down ballot for a vote right. as well. So that was that was the thing. Now, I think John Grasso losing different circumstance. I think our friend Ron George losing. We knew that was a tough race. A lot of backing and 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 don't you know Mike Miller and the Senate Democratic slate played every dirty trick in the book. Oh, they did. That was a and nasty they campaign. A ton of money into those races, and they cheated like crazy. And because they knew that keep that defeating that drive for five meant they still control the General Assembly, mm -hmm. and if they can all get on the same page, big if, that they can do anything they want despite Governor Hogan's uh, objections. So. You know, that was a much tougher fight. We were saying that all along. We were saying all along, governor looks like he's in a good position. The real drama is going to be down ballot. That's what it turned out to be. Yeah, the John Grasso thing. I mean, John Grasso. Oh, boy, this is going to be <laughs> Brian Griffith speaking now. I mean, John Grasso just fiddle farted around all of last year trying to run for county executive. Is that a Pasadena term? I'm not familiar. Fiddle farted. Yeah, it's it's a technical term. Fiddle. Fiddle farted around last fart. year, threatening to run for governor and county executive. Finally got into the run for state Senate. Nearly got wiped out in the primary. Um, he only won that primary by a couple, what, 100 votes or something like that. Yeah. And didn't... And yeah. John Grasso is John Grasso. And, yes. you know, at the end of the race, he became more like people, John Grasso. And he alienated a lot of people and didn't get the support from the governor that could have helped him a little. Look, Pam Bidel... The I, Senator Pam Bidel. I mean, that's that's yeah. that makes my head hurt. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, again, I, I like to say the General Assembly is never going to be mistaken for a Mensa convention. I think we have a new Exhibit A. Mm. <laughs> mm. We have a new Exhibit A, man. Um, but I mean, she was smart enough to do what you had to do. And, and Democrats in this county, whenever we get to talk about that. But the Senate, at least. Plus one game, you know, yeah. the, the Republican Senate caucus, there's a, a lot of focus, direction. a lot of effort. They ended up making gains in a year that they, you know, in another time and place. If this was, again, if you lost. go back to this was 2014 turnout model, if we, had we, this, win, we win seven seats. You know what? And we had, if we had this kind of effort from those who were running the Republican caucus in the Senate in 2014, we might have picked up five seats. That's another story. We talked about that then. But with this dynamic and this turnout, it was just it was just a bridge too far. Great movie, by the way. We watched that the other day. But that's really was it was an ambitious plan that just turned out to be just uh, a bridge too far. But at least it had positive results in a year that wasn't very favorable. Yeah, House of Delegates, not so much. Yeah, a lot, a lot and of bad, bad news see on this, that side. We didn't really see this coming. Yeah, uh, Bill Folden lost in Frederick County. Um, Joe Cluster lost yeah. in, um, you know, Joe Joe uh, Joe Cluster lost in District Eight. We lost right. another seat in District Eight. Right, another um, Joe. Joe 
uh, Norman. No. Yeah, we yeah. lost. Yeah, we we all. Someone, I think it's six to eight. Me. Six to eight, depending on the final vote totals. I think it was eight at one point. Um, so the gains from we gained seven seats in 2014. We basically gave them all back this time, and around. then some to a certain extent. May, depending on, I mean, I think there are some that are still, we're still trying to figure out. But yeah, yeah, and yeah we lost one in in District 30A. Mm-hmm. Lost that was the, the Herbert that Mellon was the seat. Herbert Mellon seat. Yeah, and let's and and let's say this. I mean, I don't want to pile on Herb. Whatever would have been nice if Herb was more of a team player and would have tried to stay at his seat. He wanted to be a state senator. Didn't see a way to do that, so he just took his ball and went home. Right. You know, we had some people who tried. I think I think we could have kept that seat with her, but you know, whatever. I I think we could it have. doesn't it doesn't necessarily change the balance of power that much. It's just the, it's all, just the, but the, the kind of the, the the optics of the whole thing. Quite frankly, um, well, I mean, you see what you see what their colleagues in the Senate did, and they were able to at least be on the offensive and actually make slight gains in a tough year. It's sad that we couldn't at least hold court. And, you know, frankly, I'm going to say it. I'll say something controversial here. It says something about the leadership in the House that they weren't able to do that. Clearly, the focus from top down was not on the House of Delegates. But a lot of money spent by the House caucus in the primaries. And they end up losing seven seats. So I'll just I'll just complete that circuit for people who want to make that point, too. You know, the money spent knocking out people like Jerry Walker. May, could it have helped keep somebody's seat? I don't know. I'll let others make that decision, but that's what ended up happening. Yeah, and it was just not a not a pretty not a pretty scene. And I think we we dodged a couple of bullets, um, you know, dodged double bullets because for a while there last night with a, quite a few precincts reporting, we were down a seat in thirty three. Ultimately, we wound close. up winning close. that. You know, Brooks Bennett went down in District 31B. That's a very frustrating, 31A rather. That's a very frustrating. Well, that was one uh, we were hoping to pick loss. up. We were hoping to pick up, but it ended up being that close. It turned out not to be there. It's great to see Brian Chisholm and Nick Kipke goes back. Brian Chisholm gets that seat. You know, that was a victory in the Brian primary. Chisholm actually actually finished number one in that district, believe it or not. Just by, uh, no, by I, do, a couple, I totally by a believe it. a couple of votes. I, I, I do believe it. And I, you know, congratulations to him. And, and there are some new people going down that I'm sure would be very exciting. Yeah, District 32, I know a lot of people thought it's gonna there, be was, tough. It's there gonna was be a, tough. There was a shot for a pickup in one of those seats. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Um, you know, which which sucks is those guys, Patty Ewing and Mark Bailey and, and Tim Walters, worked their asses off. Um, you know, and, and that's just, it's just unfortunate. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's ultimately, yes, this did hurt yeah. a lot. You know, tough year, but but again, we there were some good. There were so first off, let's say this: there were a lot of great Republican candidates around the state. Fantastic, a lot of candidates. them running in a lot of tough races. A lot of them, you know, a lot of places where there was one Republican against three Democrats who was trying to at least carry the flag, and a lot of them really carried themselves well. And in places like Montgomery County, we've talked to a bunch of these, you know, the Harvey Jacobs and the Lori Halversons and those kinds of people, who are who are who are great people running like heck. Um, ran probably hard. we're never going to win probably or we're always fighting uphill um but well, if you're running in montgomery county you know you're fighting uphill yeah you know somebody like winnie obiki who's an incredibly impressive person if you don't know who she is go back and listen to our interview with her i hope she i hope we see a lot more of her in the future running in you know really an impossible district in prince george's county 
you know, I mean, that's the that's the strength that we have in our party and the diversity. Um, I, you know, I, there's a big tent that we can have that can be successful, and we've got the candidates, and it's just it's just frustrating that we didn't have more of them be successful. Um, I think there were a lot of good candidates around, and a lot of good incumbents. Not all of them. Sometimes some some of those who didn't run as good races didn't end up winning. Yeah. Very, you know, very but true. it's tough. Look, hey, again, the Democrats—they were—they were, they were organ- So we'll get when we break it down. But um, the Democrats who were abandoning their gubernatorial candidate were focusing on the General Assembly and and other show. races it too. Show. Yeah, let's it talk show. about the county races too because you know there are what eight county executive seats right. in the state, and then you have Baltimore City, and the Republicans now control two of them. Cecil County and Wicomico County. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You know, Al Redmer wound up losing, taking a 15-point loss in Baltimore County. I know a lot of that was, you know, fo- a lot of focus was on whether or not Governor Hogan's coattails were going to transfer down from, from... And they didn't. And I think yeah, that's and the they, starkest... And, and they didn't. And starkest it's, example. It's unfortunate, too, because those guys ran a very tough campaign, very... Um, but this is where we very say, aggressive campaign. But this is where we say, and they're and Hannah and 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 those guys are, did did a great job, worked their worked their butts off. They did. Um, but Johnny O, Johnny Oselski Jr. Oshevsky, Oshevsky Jr. Johnny O ran a great campaign, a general great general election campaign. It was a nail biter in the primary. Yeah, he ran a heck of a campaign. He did. He's a really good politician. He understands the county. He's got deep roots there. He raised more money than the gubernatorial candidate of his party did. He he has connections there. He's the kind of guy who wins elections as a Democrat. And it's a it's a Democratic uh, county, has been for a long time. It was a Democratic year. He was, you know, the governor's popularity wasn't going to translate. And I don't think it was because Al Redmer didn't give it his best shot you know, was he too busy doing his day job? I don't think so. I mean, you know, the guys, th- that's the decision candidates have to make. Uh, I don't know that it would have made a difference. But Johnny O ran a great campaign. I mean, you got to no, tip your cap to the guy. I mean, you can't. He was a better candidate running for county executive than the guy they had running for governor. Yes. <laughs> I and mean, he wasn't the only one, apparently. Yeah. So um, you, you got to tip his cap. That's why he won by the margin he won by. Um What's he going to do up there? Well, if he does what he said in the in the election, it's you know it's going to be Kevin Cameron. It's but worse, and it's going to be a rough four years up in Baltimore County. But yeah, um, you you talked we'll about see. Howard County earlier. Yeah, um, yeah. Which you know, look Howard County and Alan Kittleman was running uphill four years ago. Yeah, and it was he was. A, it was a razor thin margin. It was a too. stretch. That was one of those. And and Alan Kittleman's he's got he's got his family has deep roots there, and great name recognition, and he's a good fit there. He's a very moderate Republican ran a good campaign but again it's such a blue county it's such a liberal county by and large such a democratic county that as a republican you got to kind of have things go right and it just it just wasn't going to happen this year i don't and again yeah with everybody voting d on the down ballot it just yeah there wasn't a lot of wiggle room there that was that was one where you know and somebody some people tried to bring up the elegant city floods and maybe that was an issue there are always issues but at the end of the day i think county executive in howard county uh was was you know and i think the same thing happened in frederick county you know the democrats got their voters out same thing happened in anne arundel county democratic voters got their voters out particularly in early voting 
And, you know, they may have a lot of them may have voted for the governor, but they voted Democrat down ballot. Most of most of those races, if not all of them. And it showed, you know, it was a rising tide for Democrats in this election. If you look, let's move over to Montgomery County really quickly. That turned out to be nothing, nothing much happening. Everybody talked about all these different these different um, scenarios where Robin Ficker could win and and it was going to be close between Elric and and Nancy Florine. And boy, was it not even Democrats. But that was a play. If there was any I said this before on Friday, if there's going to be a blue wave anywhere in the state, it was going to be. In Montgomery County, and that's what happened. 63% in a three-way race for county executive. People were voting D. D's were voting D in Montgomery County, big time. And the governor was able to overcome that, did did better than he did even in 2014, which is, is, again, shows how amazing what he did was. Um, And a lot of the people who were running as Republicans were running on the same message, the same issues. But again, they did, they weren't able to break through and have people have that have voters understand that right. the way that the governor was because of his ability to put on commercials and, and advertise and do all those kinds of things. And that's what you get. Yeah, that's what you get. Frederick County. Um, yeah. But yeah. Hey, look, my my home county. This is a trend that's been going on for a long time. It's not the it's not the deep red county that it used. To. It's not Carroll County. Carroll County, I think, is the most Republican county in the state. I think Can we so. just say that now. Um, I think it's been that for a while now. You know, it's folks coming up from Montgomery County. It's it's whatever's going on in other places. It's uh, it's purple. It's a bluish purple up there right now. And but I hasten to point out too, this is something that we had talked about for several years. Was that the yeah. Frederick County Central Committee, GOP Central Committee, has been a disorganized, infighting mess for quite a while now, and you know some of that played into what happened. During the uh, during, you know, what, what we saw there. Well, and I think the message the message is and I think, it you know, as great as the governor did and as much hope and optimism as it ought to give us as Maryland Republicans, mm-hmm. I think down ballot's a wake up call. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we got we'll get to that. I, wake I think, up call in I think second. there's some complacency. I think there's some, you know, we get spoiled by the success and how the governor was doing. Um, you know, it's the old John Madden line. Winning is a great deodorant. Uh, it covers up what um, the real problems that we have. And I think that happened in 2014. We haven't been building the party the way that we have and closing some of those registration things. It got further for the Democrats. We had a president who really motivated the other side. Let me just say that because I don't I know there are a lot of people who support the president in our audience or whatever. He really motivates the other side. He makes yeah. it easy for them well, to get their people out to the polls as a, as a jumping off point. And there's a lot of them, and they were they worked very hard. I think the Democrats in a lot of places to find ways to tap into that energy and translate it, like we always talk about, into actual political, you know, usable political acti- activity. In this case, voting, and um, we're able to to you know exceed expectations and and do some things that that. You know, didn't happen in 2000. The problem is, Greg, is not that he motivates the other side as much as he motivates people who should be on our side to do the opposite of what's in their own interest. Is the fact that, well, uh, you I, know, I, is the fact that, well, d- d- let's hear me out. Okay. The president, again, this is what happens, and I know people are going to, people are going to yeah, crap is, on me for this. This is Brian what happens when you nominate a left-wing statist as, as a Republican nominee for president. You right. get Trump, and Trump acts like, 
the way he acts, and it motivates Democrats, independents, and yes, soft-leaning Republicans to vote against. I don't. They're against Republicans, even if they probably. I don't think and that's look, what happened. It's. I, oh, I think it's very I clear. That's I don't think what it's happened. that far. I, I think the president does alienate the people who disagree with him. He does alienate his political opponents and and Democrats and the base of the Democratic Party. He trolls them. He tweaks them. He, you know, it's easy for people to get the motivated. I think people on our side like a lot of things the president is doing. A lot of people like the way he's doing. Some people don't like his style. But I don't think there were a lot of moderate Republicans voting against Republicans in this race. I don't I, think that's I, what happened. I, I, but I think again, that's a silly thing to but say. But I, I, there are some. You know there were some. I don't know that. I, I don't know that there were. But any. the thing is, is that you have to still have even in a county like Anne Arundel, and we'll get that here in a second. Yeah. You still need the independents who who. Um, who, who you still need, need the independents the good who are conservative. One. That is fake news. Um, <laughs> you still need those conservative-leaning independents to vote Republican, which right. they do in right. almost every election. And this time, and we saw a lot of this evidence of people like, you know what, I'm for Hogan, but I'm going to vote against every Republican down ballot to send a message to Trump, which is a dumb reaction, by the way, because what happens in, you know, what happens in, in, Local elections in Maryland has absolutely nothing to do with nobody's going to get that message in Washington. So it's a dumb reaction. But that's ultimately what happened. And that is all you know, that is what um, you know, and that's that's ultimately what came home to us here in Anne Arundel County. I think we need to really kind of kind of focus in on this because this not just because it's our county. OK, okay. let's not take into that. But right. this is the fact is, is that there were you know, we talked about we we knew there was a chance that Kathy of Sally was going I didn't to, pick I, I didn't pick Kathy was, to win. Was, we knew there was a chance she was not going to win. We knew there was a chance Alan Kittleman was not going to win. We knew there was a chance that Al Redmer was not going to win. I, I mean, I knew there was an uptick in Democratic right. turnout, and it was more than I realized it was. Um, so things were a little worse. I did not expect that to happen here in Anne Arundel yeah, the, County. Yeah, the, but the, the, the meltdown in Anne Arundel County yeah. is just – it's hard to process, quite frankly. Um, so you – but uh, – just so, because I want—I don't want to misrepresent your opinion. You think that it's because the president alienated conservative independents in the county. I think he alienated. I think Steve he Schu. alienated independents in the county who not just voted against Steve Shu, who but then who voted against Doug Arnold, who voted against Wes Adams. I think it's up and down the ballot. Really? Yeah. See, see, I disagree. I think it's—I think it's left-leaning Democrats who were motivated to come out in bigger numbers that made the difference. I think it was purely a turnout issue. Those people came out to the polls much more than they did four years ago, and, mu- and to a much higher degree than than, than those the fact, kind of people. The you're fact remains, about. though, and we can disagree on on on. I'm the disagreeing who with you. And the what? The fact is, though, is that Trump drove the result in Anne Arundel County. And it is, and we should be clear. And our friend Mike Dye makes a good point. This yeah. is. This is a this is majority a, Democratic county and and it's very Hillary. It was excuse and, me, very Hillary Trump won. skeptic. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, it was largely the, there was an undervote that made the difference. But but yeah, I, and I think Anne Arundel County is one of those places, and we're from here, so we're a little clear. I don't know exactly what's going on in Frederick County, but I think here in Anne Arundel County we got a little complacent. We were used to winning. I'm not saying any of the campaigns got complacent because I, I I hadn't seen that but i think we as republicans t- kind of take for granted that we're going to win um and it and because we have been winning for a long time and uh it's you know and and this time 
The Democrats really got their people out. They really, even in a district that's as heavily Republican as 33, they got their voters out and motivated. And it was organizing in all the ways that they were in the indivisible groups and the wise groups and all the silly things that that seem kind of silly over the years that we've commented upon and seen. When it came to getting people to the polls and getting candidates supported, they were able to turn that energy into positive elective action which ended up making a which big of course difference. didn't and necessarily didn't make the difference in, which def- definitely didn't make the difference in 33 but when you start but it talking about, no, I, but it but it did drive the difference when you start talking about wait this a minute, oh, wait go a, ahead wait a minute it did make a difference in 33 it wasn't enough to win because it's the, it but was that, so skewed but it absolutely made a difference that the point being we're talking about a, a ri- we're talking about water levels and rising. It didn't tide. make a difference in the result, but that but that extra turnout in thirty three did make the difference in some of these down ballot races. Where I know that um, that our friend Doug Arnold. I'm not sure what we're disagreeing about. I don't think we are. Okay, what happened to Doug Arnold is the same thing that happened to the guys in thirty three. It's just that the guys in thirty three were in a much more favorable well, right, because set of much, circumstances. Yes. Right. Okay. And I hope Doug pulls it out, by the way. Yeah, I know that there are several thousand absentee absentee votes <laughs> I out there. I still think Doug will pull it out. We're praying but, for you, Doug. you know, yeah, I mean, because it's just, it's ridiculous that but a guy But that's straight party voting, which is why I don't think it's independent right. voters who broke bad well, for Republicans. You're right. I don't think they were sending a message to the president by voting for Scott Poyer for clerk of court. I think it's Dems that went to the poll that voted party line. I mean, it's but it's still frustrating as hell for a guy like Doug Arnold who worked his ass off and is, and is totally qualified more so than any candidate going into that job yeah, that maybe we ever enough. had is going to lose enough. to a guy who did absolutely nothing and whose strategy was to um you know and whose strategy was to put signs up in the media i mean that that wasn't a strategy well i mean that may have been what he did but his strategy was to have a deep beside his name yeah I mean, that's how we know that's how people vote don't i mean we know that w- when you get into state and local elections if you don't have the big media saturation coverage all people know the number one identifier for people determining their vote the biggest piece of information they have is that party identification. Okay? That may be the only piece of information they have. Maybe they put the city where they're from. But the number one driver is going to be party identification. And if you have people who identify as Democrat more likely to vote Democrat, they're going to get more votes. It's no more complicated than that. It's We didn't get enough R's to the polls. They got more D's to the polls. And that's what happened. Now, in the governor's race where you had the saturation, you were able to – the governor was able to persuade – a, a significant number of Democrats vote for him, so he wins sixty-five percent of the vote in the county. But the but Steve Shu, who's running countywide, who has a lot of advertising and people know who he is, and he's in office, underperforms him by thirty points. Yeah, eh, not I don't, 30, know, I don't po- not thirty points. points, not thirty points. But it I'm might sorry. have been about fifteen points. Yeah, which we didn't think could happen no and it did. i mean the, the stewart Pittman, <laughs> and it did stewart Pittman got into the race for county executive because literally nobody else would run like he was going to run for county council yeah. and had to be like bet- well i imagine they, there's some people kicking themselves out kicking themselves right now they you know they they um you know they 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 yeah it's it's, it's just ridiculous that a guy they had to beg to run is now the county executive now um Jim, Jimmy makes a good point here talking about, you know, that there had to be a complacency issue when you said you have a 15-point lead. We, and that may be. I don't, I don't know. You know, it's, it's hard to explain how the poll and, – and, and let's talk a little about the polls because we had – you know, Dirk Hare was on talking about polls. Right. 
you know, we, we got the information from the shoe campaign about the internal poll that they had. Right. And it seemed like the only polls that had anything close to what actually happened were the gubernatorial polls. And that yeah. one Pittman poll, which I admitted with that I admittedly poo pooed that poll. Yeah. But it's the only poll that had anything close to accurate. Yes. And it was a push poll that had registered voters. I mean, there were methodologies that were questionable about it, but it turned out. The, the point is, um, none of the polling was as accurate because they assumed turnout models, and they didn't qu- get it quite right. We turn we talk about this all the we time. We do. Uh, what, what ended up saving the accuracy of some of these polls was that uh, the governor was able to get those persu- was able to get Democratic votes, so more Democrats going out didn't hurt his overall vote total enough to make a difference in that election, which is how he won in 2014, by the way, which is why we've been saying for four years, Democrats need to understand, even if they had turnout like 2010, the governor would still win. By the way, that's almost what happened, and he still won by 15 points. Right. So he would have won in 2010. I mean, the governor kind of proved our point. It's it's the down ballot where you don't, again, have the saturation of the ability to do that. But you think Steve Shue would come closer so maybe there's some other other things at, at play. Obviously, there were enough people. There were a significant number of people who voted for Larry Hogan and voted for Stuart Pittman. Yes. And so and so that's that's an interesting phenomenon. Now, when we talk about Wes Adams, who I think is, has done a very good job. I mean, the biggest knock on him was that he hired Lawrence Ho- not Lawrence. <laughs> wow. Lawrence Scott for a no show phony baloney job. Yeah. Really no dispute that that really happened. We've admitted on the show. Didn't stop me from voting for him. But obviously a lot of people, um, it did. And again, you had Democrats voting for Democrats, and that helped, uh, you know, Ms. Leitis. Yeah, and it was it was a bad, bad night just up and down, up and down the ballot. And it was... Down the ballot. You know, up the ballot, it was fine. Down the ballot. Well, was, the top of the ballot was fine. Up and, you know, the rest of the yeah. down was... Yeah, down the ballot was bad. Less, less than yeasty. <laughs> Why don't where we... we live, but a lot of places it was it was good. Here in Anne Arundel County, I think it was a big surprise. I thought we'd get shut out in Montgomery County. It happened. You were right. I think what happened in, in and by the way, we lost we lost the advantage in the in the council as well. Yes. So the, the Democrats council. are gonna be running this county, which as you pointed out, thank God happened. there's a tax cap. Yeah, thank God there's a tax cap. Um luckily we can count on the Democrats to overplay their hand. That's what they generally do. So um but you know. Howard County, it's going to be tough to come back. Baltimore County was a tough place. And you can, you know, Frederick County. Again, I think Republicans have to get back, get back to work. Just, you know, I I think there was some, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think there was some sense because the governor was doing so well. And that, that was real. Mm -hmm. The governor was doing so well that I think there was some, there wasn't the sense of urgency that we were in trouble that there should have been. There were there I were think peaks you're right at it. Point. I mean, at certain places we, that we could see certain data points, but overall, we thought, well, okay, we'll, you know, and maybe a couple weeks before that polling was accurate. I don't know. It didn't turn out to be. You could say things changed in the last couple of weeks. Certainly, things happened in the last couple of weeks since since you had that interview with with Dirk. Yeah. With Dirk, um, you know, maybe the governor was up by twenty points. I don't know, but anyway. Yeah. It is why don't it is. Why don't we take a quick break? Let's take a quick break. When we break. come back, we will talk about the future. The future. The future. Stick with us. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network.
You're invited to the first Red Maryland Leadership Conference on Saturday, January 26th, 2019 at the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis, Maryland. Join conservatives together from across the state to discuss the future of conservatism in Maryland and to develop strong, principled conservative leaders for the future. This will be an affordable all-day event featuring speakers from across the state and from across the country discussing politics, ideas, and how to build a conservative majority in Maryland. Sponsorship opportunities are available, and to secure your seat for this conference, please visit redmarylandconference.com. That's redmarylandconference.com, and purchase your ticket today. You can help Red Maryland grow our reach when you visit redmaryland.com and click on the Amazon link and shop as normal. A portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow. Additionally, you can buy Red Maryland t-shirts, drinkware, and other gear from our Zazzle store at zazzle.com slash redmaryland. We want to hear from you. Email us at any time at redmaryland at gmail.com. You can also leave audio feedback on a Red Maryland talkback line at 410-205-4875. We might use your feedback on our programming. You are listening to Maryland's most trusted conservative voice, the Red Maryland Network. Be sure to follow Red Maryland on all of the major social networking sites. You can follow us at Red Maryland on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Snapchat, and Tumblr to get the latest from Red Maryland. And be sure to follow the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Celebrating five years as Maryland's only network that matters, you're listening to the Red Maryland Network. We are back. Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am Brian. He is Greg. The gray-haired one. The gray-haired one, one, yes. And uh, just sh- shout out, if you're, if you're not watching on, face- on Facebook Live, you are missing out on a lot this week. Yeah, a lot of, big crowd. A lot of, guys lot of comments. Uh, so thanks, everybody, t- for, um, for um, we will talk to you, Craig. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Keep, put a pin in that. Um, so, so, yes, you'll hear from us. Yeah. So... Um, let's talk now about the By future. Facebook.com slash Red Maryland. If you happen to be listening live, if you're listening on podcast, tune in next week. Yes. And um, let's talk now a little bit about the future. The future. The future. And part All of the right. future was clarified today because um, the Something the courts... about the future was <laughs> clarified one way of, of, of putting it forward. Thrown well, because into... the, the, the legislative, the congressional districts, excuse me, yes. were thrown out. In yes. court, and yes. that is that is a that's a big freaking deal. Yeah, um, I I this just broke, so I haven't had a chance to to read uh, the, the decision yet. But uh, there's some indication that the court's ruling invalidates these congressional districts, and they're giving a deadline. I think of March, March, 
for the state to redraw those. It's not. I, I'm not clear yet. We'll have more on it. There'll be time to figure this out as to whether they'll go through the regular process or not. But now we are going to be redrawing the districts for the one time before redistricting in the 2020 uh, election cycle, which is going to be interesting. If nothing else, it could be, depending on the process that's employed, it could be kind of a dry run of the redistricting that we'll see after the 2020 census. Right. And so, uh, you know, how's that going to look? We know now with the balance of power, Governor Hogan's going to be in place. He's going to introduce a map. The Democrats have super majorities in the legislature. They could override his veto. They could possibly pass their own map even over the governor's veto if they all stick together. There's going to the be difference a- between this, though, of course, the fact that the, this this map, whatever map comes out of the state, is going to have to pass the muster of the court in order to go true. into effect, true. or the court's going to draw their own map. So it's That's it's true. a little, it's not quite going to be the same. That's um, right. You know, it's not quite going to be the same, and they have to. They have well, and I they think, have only a couple of months to do this. It's not going to be like they're going to have. And a I year. think in a couple, and I think in a couple years after 2020. That's also going to be a specter that's looming that the courts have have given. Hopefully, that's one of the problems that's with redistricting. Some guidelines on what that needs to be. It's different with state legislative redistricting because we have some we have some case law and some specific specific uh, requirements as far right. as how to draw districts. It, that's not the case so much with congressional districts, though. That jurisprudence is changing, and that body of law may be changing. So um, it, it will it will be interesting to see. Um, but it, but it is at least a test. Look, one of the biggest, if we talk about the future here, there's going to be lots of issues that go on over the next four years as there were over the last four. There's going to be drama both within the Republican Party and the Democratic Party about how they reorganize and, and move forward and look towards the next, you know, 20 after the after Governor Hogan's no longer governor. Right. All that's going to be in the background. But the biggest single drama of the next four years is going to be legislative redistricting, yes. particularly on the state legislative level. Obviously, the congressional stuff is going to get all the talk. Right. Frankly, I can't imagine how the Demo- you know, how the Republicans could do any worse than they're doing right now. Really, at either level, anything's going to be better than what we have now. Um, so, if we can't get some sort of nonpartisan, bipartisan commission legislation passed, which I think, given the way things turned out, is almost certainly not going to happen no i mean i think the democrats still feel like they control it yes um so there's going to be a lot of drama a lot of behind the scenes it's going to take all of the governor's bipartisan wheeling dealing deal making you know picking off a couple state senators using the power of the office of the governor and the budget and and drawing maps it's going to be it's going to be high drama it's going to be you know um what do I, what do I want to say it's going to be? What's, I, what's something I that's... I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> endemic of high drama. Um, <laughs> dramatic? It's going to be very dramatic. So, I mean, we'll see. That's But that's going to be the biggest one. Now, with this congressional thing, at least we're going to have a dry run. Again, the districts will be different. I mean, David Trone just spent, what, 13, 15 million, 16, 16 million, 16 million dollars to, to win a congressional district that's going to be redrawn. I gotta admit, I'm not... Sixteen million dollars to be a member of Congress. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around having that much money to well, spend on something like that. That's your first problem, and then willing, you know, it's sixteen million. If all you had was sixteen million, you would never do it. If you had a hundred million, maybe you'd think about it. I don't know. You you'd buy the Baltimore Sun, so you would blow money as well as anybody would. <laughs> I'd at least, at least he has something to show for. I'd it. have a printing. But, he, but he's he won in a district that's going to be redrawn. 
Yeah. I don't know how it's going to be redrawn. I don't know what it's going to look like. No. I don't know what it's going to include, but it's almost certainly not going to be what it is now. Well, none of them are going to look like the the freaking pterodactyls and, and lizards that it looks like Presumably. now. I mean, the fact that your congressman and my congressman is Anthony Brown, and it's connected yeah. to parts of inside the Capitol Beltway. By the way, how about George is, McDermott winning in Anne Arundel County? In that part of the district. Isn't that fun? That's the flip side of party ID. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. I voted for Dave Bishop. Me too. They, we endorsed it. Yeah, but yeah anyway. we endorsed. But anyway, so so we'll see. But again, it'll be a dry run, and it'll be, uh, you know, that, that'll that be something exciting. Now, now let's let's talk about something else. Well, what were you going I, I, Well, I, I think there are going to be a few, as we go forward the next four, four years, there are going to be a few, um, and we talked about this before, uh, a few storylines okay. that we're going to have over the next four years. Okay. One of them is obviously going to be redistricting and the drama behind redistricting. Yes. Is there a way that it becomes nonpartisan? I don't think so. But Not that'll at the be moment. For, for the first year or so, at least, that'll be most of the talk. Then it's going to be the drama behind the scenes, political wheeling and dealing, senators trying to predominantly in the state Senate, because that's where the rubber is going to meet the road. It's going to be a lot easier to pick off a couple state senators, though, we, though you need four. So that's that's a. That's a significant number. Can the Democrats all stay together to come up with an alternative map? That that is that, that is an and that's, open question. That's the question. I've been talking about this for years now. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't think the Democrats just based on the fact of how divided the Democrats remain after this gubernatorial election. They well, still don't. They still don't. Yeah. They still don't have anybody who's actually quote running the party. They're like no no party leadership, no party elder who can put all these people in a room and say. You know, okay, this is what we're going to do, whether it's a governor or it's somebody else, and that you still have these diverging interests of the Democratic Party, where you still have an old line that's a just traditional Maryland liberal, and then you've got this Montgomery County socialist strain, if you will, that's you know that's doing its thing over here. But the good thing about redistricting is that they're all going to be looking out for themselves. So we don't have to be Lord. It's not going to be ideological. It's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be everybody. So there's going to be this amazing chess game that goes on between the governor, between Mike Miller, whoever the leader in the house is, if it's Mike Bush, if it's somebody else, um, which could make a difference. This chess game, you know, maybe the governor comes out with a map that's looks pretty fair. People kind of like it. It's pretty bipartisan, the kind of thing Hogan would want to do. You're not going to vote for this. And oh, yeah, by the way, you know, Kathy Klasmeyer, you're going to be pretty safe and. You know, Pam Bidel, I think you're going to be all right. And, you know, Ron Young, you don't have anything to worry about. Meanwhile, you've got the Democrats coming out with some something that's drawn to a granular level by computers that, mm-hmm. that gets everything out. And, you know, somebody pissed off Mike Miller and they're, they don't think they're getting a good enough district or whatever. And it's hyper partisan. And that goes out. And the governor's like, oh, man, I don't, you know, here, I'm trying to I'm trying to split the difference. And he's going to get. You know, he gets a couple Democrats to support the idea. That's the chess game that goes on. Can they cut a deal? I think if they cut a deal, that's a win for Republicans because anything's better than what we have now. The The only way that, that the Republicans lose that is if what ends up passing is another hyper-partisan Democratic map like we've seen before. Yeah. And the governor's basically Im- unable to stop it from happening. Which, which is would not be, an impossible outcome. Which would be a total tragedy. Quite that frankly. that would be losing the chess game. Yeah. 
So they're going to be people. They're going to be people on our side. Some I, I can see it now as clear as day. Some of the keyboard warrior types are going to say, "Oh, the governor ought to draw the map that's you know that makes it a uh, you know it's Republicans it's control Republicans the legislature." In the House. Forget that. Forget that. You know. The Democrats that's, that's, can pass their. The, you, if you do that, then you make it a little easier for the Democrats to come right. up with an alternative, because they can vote against it a little easier, or vo- over, you a, know, override the governor's veto a little easier. A of fair map, map with single member districts in the House. Yeah, and they don't override the veto. They say, you know what, this this map's fair. My constituents think it's fair. You know, I'm 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 going to be safe, and I'm a right. good government liberal, and you know, I don't like that you're giving away the store, which will be part of it. Because you're gonna, because if you think Larry Hogan's gonna give away the store to Kathy Klasmeyer, well, so is Mike Miller gonna give away the store, right? You so, know, the one so other thing it's I gonna wa- be fascinating if you love the insider politics. This is that is the number one storyline, and it's gonna have an enormous effect on elections going forward. If, and I'm sorry, I know I'm taking up the time here, you and I'll turn it over to you, and I apologize. If we get it to something that's a that's a bipartisan commission you take it out of that hyperpartisan way of doing it for all time because it's gonna be hard to put that genie back in the bottle that's the big win yeah that's what the governor would want to do that's what and we the all democrats want, yeah. well it's not what the democrats want. well because they'll we never all. get it back if they do that they'll never get it back right so but but on. also too and then before we move on also too is that if the governor does manage to get fair districts in place with single member districts even if it's just that precedent setting, that moves the bar forward too. Yeah. So I, that's Look, at I, least something. Uh, we, we, we've said it before. If you if you just draw a map that has single member districts with the caveats, single member districts, and you observe all the boundary lines, right? And tell the Democrats you can draw the lines with those two caveats. That's a huge win. No, I agree. I take that map in a heartbeat. I agree. The other big thing that we're looking at. Uh, and as uh, that we're we're talking about today is 2022. We'll get to that, and we'll that's let's that. learn what we're talking about right now. Yeah, and um, you know if if you know to peek behind the curtain a little bit, you let's know peek behind the curtain. We launched the the November Red Maryland poll today, which is very important, by the way. It's the nominees for um, for the Red Maryland awards are part of that too. Yes, but included in there is the first poll for the 2022 gubernatorial primary. Yeah, and. When I got home from the, from the Governor Hogan's victory party last night, had to take a couple names off that poll, quite frankly, just because, I mean, there's not as we had a, discussion a, about this, a yeah. path to victory for, you know, if you had looked at the, if you had asked me 48 hours ago right. who the primary was going to be, Steve Shu, sure. Alan Kittleman, Kathy Avzali, Al Redmer, if they had Barry won. Glassman, right. you know, if they had won. And now you're down to one of those guys. Barry Glassman, Barry won, Glassman, yeah. who won, who yeah. won very easily. Yeah, you know, I I know that there's a lot of people who think Lieutenant Governor Boyd Rutherford would be in there. I don't, I don't personally Maybe. believe that he is interested, but things can always change. The last ad, uh, one of the last ads during the campaign was a 30 second piece highlighting Boyd Rutherford. So, right. you know, you can you can kind of draw the connect the dots there. Well, let's. Um, let's talk about it. so so some of the people who were on the bench who were potential 2022 competitors lost their reelection bids. Wow. Presumably that knocks them out. Uh, I don't know that it absolutely does, but certainly it's a big black mark against them. Right. It's a lot. It's it's going to be a lot harder to do that. Um, and I think particularly for a guy like Steve Shu, who I don't know if he ever wanted to be governor. He said he never did. Now he can say I never wanted to be. It was never about that. Um, but. 
But, um, you know, he's probably he's going to have a tougher time getting back. Alan Kittleman may will say, hey, look, you know, I shown I can get crossover votes and the and whole let's be fair. not like Howard County, but anything can happen. <laughs> anything can happen. Right. So there is there is a bit of a depleted bench there. Some of those guys may say, OK, I'm riding off into the sunset. And that's that's the end of it. Uh, they certainly aren't coming from. And this is the big thing. There's certainly not people who are coming from being an incumbent two term county executive, unless you're Barry Glassman. Right. Who has that resume to run as an executive. OK, so. That's the big advantage that a guy like Barry Glass. But let's if he's also, interested in doing it, I think he is. We'll see. Uh, is he coming to our conference? He is coming to make our sure, conference. Yeah, make sure you come to our conference and you can find out maybe that answer. You get some. He'll wink in a certain way that'll let you know. But there are other people, so we got to kind of expand the field here a little bit. I think we talked to some of them, in my opinion, on on uh, last night, who are potential uh, folks in that. Um, folks from the legislature, folks. And from by the way, just to make, other make, make a point here, Republicans have not nominated a county executive to be the nominee for governor since 1982. Right. Believe it or not, right. I know that. Um, I I know that. You know those those guys were going to be the front runners, but you know since then we've had the House Minority Leader, we've had a congressman, we've had a successful businessman. Right. You know, I mean, those right. have been the folks who've been our been our nominees. Correct. So it's not like it's Correct. not like we have a tradition. It's not like the Democrats who have nominated county executives before right. or county executive equivalents, absolutely guys right. like you know, um, like mayors of Baltimore or Paris, Glen Denning, right. or something like that. So when you think of it that way, that really expands the universe of people. I don't think I don't know if Andy Harris wants to be governor or not, but you, you'd want to he'd be somebody you might want to consider if somebody wins one of these new. Well, congressional seats in 2020 yeah. and there are sitting congressmen and there's new districts. That might be an interesting idea. That would be kind of weird. But, you know, something to think about. We got a lot of good senior members, up and comers in the state Senate, in the House of Delegates. Yeah. Um, some of them have run statewide campaigns before. So it's something that, you know, I don't know. There's still a bench, but clearly you knocked out some people who would uh, be obvious consideration yeah. and those we'll guys now, win. if those now, guys win it's a whole different conversation right. than we're now, having right now that's that's the individual stuff the other thing in the background of the story and this is where the boyd rutherford story the, the boyd rutherford thread becomes more important there's going to be a competition between and i think the camps that you'll see very if they don't already exist very quickly exist are going to be the hogan party essentially the hogan um, the Hogan camp successor, which is where a Boyd Rutherford suddenly becomes a pretty strong candidate. If he can be the heir apparent of, of that faction, if you will, then that puts him in a very strong position. He doesn't have to start from scratch the way some other candidates would. So that, that's, that's what makes him intriguing. I think if you get, um, if you have some of these other folks running from other angles and you probably will see someone from a more conservative bent. Yeah. Okay. We certainly have seen that before in primaries. I think the conservative criticism of the governor is going to change now that he's in a second term and he's not likely to get reelected. One of the storylines that we'll be following is the governor has said very clearly second term is going to be a lot like the first doesn't sound like he's going to be more conservative or change a lot of things. Um, that's going to be kind of interesting when he's not facing a reelection again. He's going to get a lot of pressure on that. There are some people who believe he has ambitions for for national office. 
will that affect his thinking? Is that something he's thinking? I don't believe that. I also don't believe and I, that. And I, and I don't think it will. He's not Martin O'Malley, and he's not going to start acting like Martin O'Malley. I don't necessarily think that would be all bad. Some people would. Some people do. Um, there, there certainly will be people in his ear wanting him to run for president. We heard it last night when he had his speech, mm-hmm. um, and he's been hearing that for a while. Um, he'd be he he wouldn't be human if he wasn't. Oh thinking no, he's, about he's got to think about it. I mean, you can't be in that position and not think and, about. And it. he really isn't a fan of our current president. You may have noticed that. Which which will probably be kind of a building ground, and we saw that before. The governor did a brilliant job of kind of quelling any any um, any uprising with his own party this time. That was one of the things that's that was very noticeable. The grousing got real, real quiet the last month. Ben Jealous did a bit was a big part of helping him do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we get ginned up for, you know, a second term of of uh, the president and he may run unopposed. Who knows? Who knows where the governor's going to be on all that? Obviously, I don't you know, the governor doesn't have anything to lose agreeing or disagreeing with so much anymore. Right. Because he's not running again. But. How that plays out, that could be the basis of it. You know, if there's a if there's a Trump faction, which there certainly is, um, that might be running against a Hogan faction. Right. That could be kind of where you see the theme. I think that I think that the um, conservative criticism of the governor is going to be more, uh, depending on what the governor does, is going to be more heated, more pointed. I think there's going to be a little less. Um, It'd be a little more open frustration if the governor really does do what he's going to do. Now that he's reelected, I think there will be some expectation on the part of Republicans and conservatives that he's going to come our way a little bit because he doesn't have to worry about getting reelected. Um, if he'd had we'll the see. numbers to sustain his veto, I think there would have been a lot of pressure on him to veto things because they could be sustained. Um, decisions that he made in the last term for political calculations, you take the political calculation out, it becomes much more critical. Right. I don't know if we'll be more critical. We'll see. But I think that would enter into the analysis. And that'll be one of the storylines of the next four years. Either way, it's got four years worth of content for us to cover. And that's, oh, God, uh, yes. That's what we've And got. these Democrats who've taken over now, <laughs> now you got to run. And, well, now uh, you got to govern, you mean. Now you got to govern. And um, good know, luck with that. It's not going to be fun living under that uh, if you are, if we are, and we are. And we are. Uh, but it's going to be real fun, you know, setting up the shooting gallery. Because yeah. a lot of stuff to talk about here at Red Maryland for the next four years. Why don't we put a bow on this show? Thanks Thank you, for everybody, listening. for listening. Thanks, everybody, for watching. You guys are great. Come back next week. Same time, same channel. Yes. Facebook.com slash Red Maryland. We're on a Wednesday next week, 8 o'clock. Uh, here on the Red Maryland Network, we'll be joined by Roy McShane of McShane Consulting, who will Get talk his a little bit about, uh, yeah, he worked some of the races here in Maryland. We'll talk with him about what happened. Of course, if you are uh, listening on podcast, thank you as well. You can subscribe to Red Maryland Network Program and iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, the TuneIn Radio app, and Google Play, and have shows like this one automatically downloaded to the device of your choosing. That's right. Um, Please be sure to home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Of course, we've got we've got new content up already, folks. So, you know, yeah, I'm, and we'll have more. I, I, yeah. I, I want to write a piece on what I was talking about. I'll try and do that. Right. And Greg's got a couple other things up his uh, in his gullet right now that he's really looking for. Oh, my gullet is full. Your craw? 
Sure. Okay. Gullet, crawl, whatever. Um, I'm just playing the camera. I right will now. be. <laughs> I'm back on Sunday with a brand new episode of The Air Raid. Um, thank you, everybody, again for watching. Uh, Greg, one year, some, one of these years, will be feedback. back. I'm not there okay. yet. All right, sorry. I'm not there yet. So, I'm sorry. One of these days, Greg will be back with the Conservative Refuge. But as I said, we are back live on Wednesday next week. Yes. RedMaryland.com, Facebook.com slash RedMaryland. We are on Twitter at RedMaryland. We are Instagram at RedMaryland. And folks, please share it. Share what you got. Share what you're you're watching. When you, if you log in and watch the show, share it with your friends. Please. So they know that you're watching, and then get more people. It's a force multiplier. We got four years to build this up so that in the next election we can reelect a Republican governor and bring uh, and and finally get that veto-proof, uh, you know, minority. I don't want to take up too much time. Or the filibuster but, minority in the state senate. But we should say thank you to all of you. We really made an effort to focus towards this election and yes. to gear up for it. We did that. You got with your support really brilliantly. The biggest days in the history of the uh, of the uh, of website yeah. and the, the you know both the network and the and the the website have been primary election day and general election day. Yeah. Ton of information we got out there. We helped a lot of candidates. We got a lot of great feedback. Thank you for that. So, but thank you. That's up. That's you guys. We're happy to put it out there. You guys yeah. took it and ran with it. So thank you. And for those of you who want to comment, additionally, redmaryland at gmail.com is how you can do that. Or you can always call us on the Red Maryland Talkback line at 410-205-4875. What's that number? 410-205-4875. And we will feature your comments on a future Red Maryland Network program. Well, Greg, it didn't end up. It ended up great. It also ended up not so great. The election I'm talking about, not the show. What, this is also the show was fantastic. Careening towards that. Um, the show was fantastic. The show was great. Onward and upward. Absolutely. RedMarylandConference.com. Turn we the page. Another chapter in Maryland history begins. So for everybody here at the network, thank you very much for listening and watching. For Greg Klein, I am Brian Griffiths. You've been listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Oh, radio, tell me everything you know. Roll a light.